Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast. This is the podcast that will teach you to take your Shopify store and turn it into a business-growing sales machine. It has the latest marketing, email, sales, SEO, and social media advice, and also has strategies and tips from the experts without fluff. Your host is Nick Truman. He's a Shopify expert and an education partner with the Shopify-approved course, 1,000 Sales and Beyond. He's the CEO of JustAskParker.com, a global specialist marketing agency for Shopify owners. Nick has over 13 years experience in digital marketing from PPC and SEO through to digital transformation of businesses. He's helped hundreds of brands from startup Shopify stores through to international enterprises that operate in hundreds of countries. Nick will be sharing his knowledge and interview the experts to help you in your journey to success. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Now, here's your host, Nick Truman. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Winning with Shopify podcast. For those who haven't tuned in previously, my name is Nick Truman. I am the host here and I've recently taken over from Caroline in around sort of June time. We had a bit of a sort of dark period, if you like, between April and June when Caroline and I were making some big changes to the business. And then in June, we were back with a bang. First episode for three months and we started talking about my involvement in the business here at Just Ask Parker and a whole range of other things. I've been hosting it since then, so you're probably starting to get a little bit bored of my voice and I apologise today, it's going to be my voice again, but for a very, very good reason, which I will come on to in a second. Before we dive into today's content that we're going to be talking about and the sort of things I'm going to share, what I want to make you aware of quickly is that we do have a Facebook group, which is called Winning with Shopify. So if you're not on there already, please go and check that out. I see sort of five to 10 requests a day at the moment of people wanting to join, mostly people that have heard about the podcast. And the aim of the group is to try and get people to engage with one another, have conversations about SEO, about PR, about digital marketing, social media, and all the different elements there are in building a business on Shopify. So feel free to go and get involved there. A couple of my team here in London are now going to be monitoring it as well. So if anybody asks any really challenging or complicated questions, we'll point you in the right direction and possibly even do an episode on the podcast about those specific things. Last week, I even mentioned a couple of questions that had come in on the Winning with Shopify group and we answer them in the podcast itself. So I hope that was useful. And again, feel free to chuck some stuff in there or things you would like us to cover. If you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button. We're posting every single week at the moment, probably somewhere around midday in the UK, which will be about sort of six or seven o'clock in the morning on the east coast of the US, and then obviously following a few hours later on the west coast as well. But without further ado, I'm going to dive into today, which is a little bit different to what I was planning to do, but for a very good reason. I've had several emails about last week's episode about content. And all of the emails essentially ask the same question. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to answer that question instead of diving into part four. So we're going to call this content optimization 3B. So it's the third part of our four-part series, which might become five. And as of today, it might even now be six because we're doing this episode the questions I was getting were purely around some sort of checklist, to-do lists. I was getting questions from people saying things like, okay, Nick, we're talking about optimizing content. Everybody talks about what is content? Can you give me these specific things that I actually need to go and update? So today, I'm going to give you a very short overview checklist and I'm not going to publish it anyway. You have to listen to the episode and take some notes to, uh, to get hold of this information. But I'm hoping this will give you exactly what you need 
to go onto your site and say, right, here's my keyword, here's where I want to put it, I want to put it on this page, and these are the bits that Nick's told me I need to start off by actually updating. So rather than talking about the theory of content and the fluffy stuff around what's emotive content and what's user intent in terms of buying intent, we're not going to talk about that today. I'm just going to get into the nitty gritty. I'm going to assume you've listened to episodes one, two, and three A, as I'm going to refer to it now, because today's going to be three B. And I'm going to go through three very specific pages, and this will also relate to some other pages as well. The other pages it will relate to are things like blog posts or your blog page with each of your posts, the kind of index, you know, so welcome to our blog, these are our latest posts, that sort of thing. All the about pages on your site as well. You can take a similar approach to to optimizing those. And you might even think about creating some new pages. Just as a side tip before I dive into the first one as well, in terms of creating other pages, Something we've done quite a lot of recently with some of our larger clients is actually creating a page on the site called their brand name and then the word reviews. So if you were online and you were looking at Adidas, for example, which is not one of our clients, but just as an example, if you were looking at Adidas or Adidas, as some people call it, if you're looking on their site, you might then go on Google and type in Adidas reviews. So what we've done is a little SEO exercise and we've seen some increases in conversion rates as a result is actually creating a page on the site called Adidas reviews, but obviously not Adidas, whatever our client's business is called. So then there is a review page with all the reviews on there. So they're not taken to Trustpilot or FIFO or anything else. All of those platforms are good, and by all means, please do get them. You might find those platforms rank above this page. But what this does is it means if you ever do get any bad press or a review site like Trustpilot, you're not paying them, you're not associating them at all, but they've started collecting reviews about your business anyway, those reviews might be bad. So you're going to push those reviews down just by creating a page on your site called our business name, whatever your brand is, and then the word reviews as a page, and then embedding as many different types of reviews on there. So it could be some stuff from your PR activity. It could be when you appeared on BBC News in the UK with a little video. It could be anything like that or customer testimonials. If you do have something like FIFO or Trustpilot running, something like that, then I absolutely do recommend that you import that feed into this page. Because again, it's another great place to talk about all those great reviews you've got as a business. So again, a little side tip, but something just suddenly popped into mind when I was suggesting other pages on the site. That seems to be a winner. And again, if anyone's looking at what your review rating is or who's reviewed you, that's a great place for them to find you on Google. It now means they've clicked on your site twice into two different places if they came from SEO. So anyway, that's a side tip. That's a freebie. It's not what we're talking about today specifically, but it is content related. What we're going to talk about today three different areas, the most important three areas for content. The first one we're going to talk about is the homepage. I'm then going to kill some myths about the homepage and explain why people over-optimize the homepage and then question why they have no SEO. Then the second thing we're going to look at is a collections page and what content we can optimize and improve on a collections page or add in terms of new content we can put on there. And then we're going to talk about products. So apologies, I don't have a guest today. But again, following on from last week, one of my team said, Nick, you should definitely do this. This sounds like a great idea. So I'm going to do it. And again, please let me know on Facebook or via email or something what you guys think about this. And just to let you know, we do have thousands of people tuning into this now. Popularity has massively increased over the last sort of three or four months, which I've been very humbled by. But it also means I'm getting all these ideas flying in of things to talk about. So we're just trying to kind of organize them and sort them into a nice little framework so everybody knows what's coming next week. So without further ado, we're going to kick off with the first part, which is the home page. So there's a few areas that you want to optimize. 
And if you don't know what any of these areas are, and I hope you've got your pencils ready to write these down, and if you don't know what these areas are, just go on Google and type in Shopify homepage, then the thing, for example, or Shopify page, how to update whatever the item is. So the first thing on the homepage is gonna be the title tag. So you wanna make sure your title tag mentions the name of your business, because this is the homepage. If they type your name into Google, you wanna make sure the name of your business is in the title tag of the homepage. So if they type the name of your business into Google, they land straight onto your homepage, because that is the best place for them to land. We don't know anything else about what they're interested in, what they're looking for, what they're trying to buy. So we wanna make sure we get them into the homepage as quickly as possible when they search brand name. So the title tag of your homepage, you wanna make sure that's got your brand name in it, and then you also want to update the second thing in the homepage, which is your meta description. These need to be under 160 characters. And then the title tag and meta description together create your listing on Google. And that applies to any page. So once you've got your keywords, those are some good places to put in your title tag and your meta description. If you want to see what your title tags and meta descriptions are, check out a tool that I think Chris Long was talking about in episode two when we talked about technical, which is called Screaming SEO Frog. We use it religiously at work. We have several licenses on it at Spec and the same at Parker, and we are constantly on their crawling sites to see what information people have put into these boxes. So homepage, you want to get your title tag and your meta description sorted first. The next thing you want to do is make sure you have one just a single H1 tag. So if you don't know what a H1 tag is, go on Google, do a quick search for Shopify H1 tags, and it might be something you have to update in your liquid files. But the H1 essentially, H stands for header, and it's essentially the big title you will see when you land on that page. So when we come onto collections and products, it will be the name of the collection or the name of the product. It will generally be the H1, but not always. You can code, it, code the page however you want. But generally, the H1, you need to have one of them on the homepage. Make sure it's some real text. And if you've got that one big keyword, for example, if you sell iPhone cases, iPhone cases is your big keyword or something with it. Biodegradable iPhone cases is a client of ours. Or it might be something like shockproof iPhone cases. Again, another client of ours. You might have something like that as your big header when people land on the homepage. Welcome to our business. We sell compostable iPhone cases, that sort of thing. And that will be your header on the homepage. The next thing you want to look at on the homepage is, which I mentioned last week, is all the text. So what you can do is you can, on a Windows machine, do Control A to highlight all. On a Mac, it will be the Apple key and A, and that will highlight everything on the page. And then you can see all of the text on your page. Why do you want to see all the text on your page? Well, that's going to be the main way that Google is actually going to look at all of the content that's on there. So if you talk in that content about your specific product range or your business, etc., Google's going to read that and say, right, this page talks about these particular themes or ideas. Those are going to be the keywords that Google's then going to think about ranking you. We're not going to spend too long on the homepage, and I'll explain why when I reach the collections page on, in part two of this. We'll still be in this episode, it's not another episode, but certainly when we reach the second stage after the homepage, I'll explain why the homepage is over-optimized, in my opinion. The next thing you want to do once you've looked at all the text is have a look at the images and make sure that your images have good alt tags. ALT is an alt tag. If you don't know what it is or how it works, go on Google. There'll be loads of guides out there. I think we've got some on the Parker site. I know we've written some in the past. There's millions of different guides out there. You'll probably find something that talks about alt tags, ALT tags, T-A-G-S. And alt tags in Shopify are the only way you can associate a keyword with an image. The way Shopify works, it doesn't let you rename 
the image. So whatever you call the image when you upload it to Shopify, Shopify will change it. And this is unavoidable, but is not necessarily a problem. We have plenty of clients using Shopify and plenty of their images come up on Google Images. And a lot of people shop now through Google Images. And it's a bit like Google Shopping in the sense it's very visual, but Google Shopping costs money, Google Images is free. So go through all the images on your homepage and make sure they have alt tags. There's probably even a tool out there that can check the alt tags of the images on any page. So you could try and find a tool like that, chuck in the URL of your homepage and then see what alt tags are on there and see which images are missing them. Screaming SEO frog I mentioned earlier as well, that will tell you some of the alt tags in your images. Depends how your site's set up, it doesn't always find them, but again, a good place to look. And the final point on the homepage, this is not the A to Z of everything, these are just the top things I think you need to look at, but the final point, and I've written this in my notes as links to other, and then inverted commas, stuff. So links to other stuff. So what you wanna do is have a look on your page, literally just at the front, of your, front end of your page, scrolling through your homepage going, what am I linking to here? And what could I link to? Because the homepage is never gonna be a purchase point. They're always, especially on Shopify, they're always gonna to have to dig down into something deeper than just the homepage content. So what you wanna do is have a look at things like if there's any social media buttons or if there's any awards that you've won, or actually if you've got your Trustpilot or FIFA or Reviews.co.uk widget on the front of your site. And if you do, you probably want to link that to your specific profile on that site. The reason you wanna do that is because that is gonna increase the verification as far as Google's concerned, that this isn't just some random little image you've stuck up there, it's got five gold stars on it. Google won't actually see it's got five gold stars on it, if it's an image of five gold stars. But what Google will do is if that links to somewhere like a review platform or some sort of award that you've won or something that, you know, you were crowned the best whatever in your industry, the best product of the year in your industry and, in, in, you know, in your country where you're based, anything really, really cool like that, put those images in your footer and link them to those places and make sure it opens in a new window so that your website is still open back in the previous tab. If you open it in the same window, chances are that user's now gone. They're not going to find you again. They'll get distracted on that award ceremony site and they're off. So again, that's just one example of what you could do with something that links from your homepage. The best thing to do is go through all the buttons on your homepage and that sort of thing. Where do they go? Should they open in this same window? Should they open a new window or a new tab? And then make some decisions as to what links are there. This includes things like the menu, what products you're linking to, what categories you're linking to from the homepage, etc. So anyway, that's the homepage. Now I'm gonna talk about the collections page, which is far more important, in my opinion, than the homepage. The homepage is super important, don't get me wrong, every website needs one, the users expect to see them, that's reason enough to have one. But if you look at your traffic in Google Analytics and in Shopify Analytics, you'll probably notice that the more you optimize and the more revenue you actually start to make, the less traffic lands on your homepage. So a lot of website owners that I talk to, they make the assumption that homepage is obviously where you start, isn't it? Well, not really. If you think about the journey of a user, a user is going to go onto Google and type in stuff like, what's the latest uh, trainers, you know, the best trainers I should buy, or what are the best clothes for going traveling? They're not going to land on a homepage. They're going to land on a blog post or an FAQ or an article somewhere or a YouTube video. They're going to land in places like that. When they are ready to buy something, they're going to search something like vegan leather handbags. 
Now, unless that's the only thing you sell, if you sell anything else, chances are your homepage won't rank for that keyword. What you'll probably rank for, if somebody was to search that and Google ranked you well on SEO, it will probably be your collection page. So when you look at your content, and I'm going to give you a little, again, sort of list of things to look at on the collections page, bear in mind that this might be the first time a business has ever heard of you, which means the second they land on this page, you've got five seconds five seconds to convince them you're the place for them to stay, convince them that you've got the products they want, convince them that you are a trustworthy site, that you are the place to buy from. So if you go on one of your collection pages now and you look at it and think, this isn't great, is it? You know, or there's just a list of products or the design's not very exciting or we've got some great USPs, none of them are on this page. Then you've got your work cut out. And it's good and bad. It's bad because you got your work cut out. You're going to have to put some time into this. But it's also good because it means, well, if I improve that, you know, I've already got some traffic into my site. There's very few sites have nothing. I've got some traffic. Now I should start to see some conversions. And it's also good because it means that if I do sort that out, I won't just see conversions. If I do it based on my keyword list from episode one of the Winning with Shopify podcast, then from that point onwards, I know that I'm going to start to rank better for these keywords. Therefore, it's also going to drive traffic and that traffic's going to convert well as well. So you're getting more from your existing traffic and you're driving more in. It's a win-win. It's not easy. This is what's called marketing and branding, and this is what lots of consultants get paid millions of pounds to spend their lives researching, analyzing, testing, etc. So I'm going to talk about some very small, quick win, specific things you should do now. But I think if you're really serious about growing your store long term, you've got to be thinking on those lines. How am I going to hook people in on a a collection page or even a product page if I can justify with my keyword data that people will find products. Generally speaking, on SEO with a well-optimized site, if you take people's brand name out of the equation, because most of that will be on the homepage, if you take the brand name out of the equation, you'll probably find about 70 or 80% of e-commerce SEO lands on a collection page. So again, incredibly important to make sure you do optimize these. So I hope you've got your pencils out, give it a quick sharpen if you need to, and then I'm gonna give you the top tips. And some of them are the same as the homepage, but I'm gonna give you some examples of what's put in them. So firstly, we've got the title tag again, and the meta description. So the title and the little description that pop up on Google itself. Now this is super important to make sure you optimize these two for SEO based on your keywords that you had. On Shopify, this is called the SEO title and the SEO description. So go onto the collection, scroll down, you'll see the SEO title, SEO description at the bottom of that collection. It may look slightly different if you've got a different theme or any applications or plugins running. It may look slightly different, but that should be the vanilla, as we call it, the out of the box name for this. So what you wanna do is you wanna make sure you've got your keywords in there and a good rule of thumb across every page on your site is to make sure you mention the brand name of the business in every title tag. The main reason is that it creates a bit of uniform. So you wanna keep your title tag below 60 characters in total. You wanna try and keep it above sort of 45 or 50 so you've not just got a really short title. But say, you know, say this was Nick's t-shirt shop. The reason I've called it that is because I want the word t-shirt to be everywhere because that's all we sell. And then from an SEO point of view, it's really clear to Google that 
we only sell T-shirts and there's lots of different keywords of people looking for men's T-shirts, yellow T-shirts. By the way, this isn't a real thing. I don't know if there is a store out there called that. Just using it as an example. But what I would actually put on my collections is, say I, one of my collections was what I'm going to call retrofit. Again, if that was a keyword, I'm going to call it my retrofit collection. What I would put in the title tag is the retrofit T-shirt collection hyphen Nick's T-shirt shop. Now, it might spread slightly over 60 characters. It's not the end of the world. Google's just going to put a dot, dot, dot at the end of that title tag. But certainly the title tag and the meta description, again, feed those off of your keyword list. So what you should have done in episode one is assigned every keyword to a specific page. And you might have three or four very similar keywords for a page. And this is where you're going to start to actually put them into your collections. So you want to do the title tag, the meta description, same as the homepage. You then want to optimize your headers. So the main H1, again, you should only have one H1 on every page. But the main H1 of this page should be the name of the collection. So in this example, the name of this collection is going to be the Retrofit T-shirts. So my H1 tag at the top of the page, when people land on this page, either from the home page, the main nav, or they've landed here, ideally from Google, from a bit of SEO work we've done. When they land here, it's going to say Retrofit T-shirts. And then they know that this entire collection is relevant to Retrofit T-shirts. Following on from my comments a second ago about the fact that this might be the first page that somebody has ever visited. Following on from that comment, I would then recommend under that title you have some sort of description. Depending on your brand and your user journey, you might put this description at the bottom of the page under the products. So that was Chris Long's advice in episode two, which absolutely spot on. You know, I wouldn't disagree with it at all. But the point I did make when we recorded episode two as well, and I made it into the episode itself, was to say this is quite dependent on what your brand is, who you are, and who your customers are. If it's quite a luxury product, you probably don't want too much text around. You want the product imagery, the price, some of the USPs. You want that stuff to stand out. So a little paragraph saying, you know, welcome to our retrofit t-shirt range. It's not so, you know, not, not so important from that sense. But certainly I'd make sure there's some sort of text on that page. Again, if somebody's landed here for the first time ever, your design, your header of every page that's on every page of your site, the header is so important. The design and layout, making sure you've got some USPs in your header, that's so important. And this, this paragraph as well is really, really key. You want to keep it short enough that it's really quick for somebody to read. But you also want to make it big enough that it does give them something. And this is where, if you rewind really, really far back, and it's actually one of our most popular podcasts over the last sort of six months, was an interview I did with Chris Marshall from OnState. And he talks about user testing. And that's a really good thing to do to then make some fairly quick, but also some fairly insightful decisions then based on some user testing as to whether you do put a big chunky paragraph at the top here or something really small and, and slimline. You know, you can make, you make your decision based on some of that user testing, but I would certainly recommend some sort of text, an intro paragraph on that page. The next point, and this really is going to be a developer one now, is how much product information you put on the collection itself. If you have a business model that's quite a lift and shift, your customers just want to come in, get a bargain, etc., then you probably just want the product, the price, and then maybe a couple of little icons under each product, something like you know, a, little, uh, a little truck, which says one to two days to show that the delivery of this product is one to two days. You might do something just to say, you might something to show the different colors. Actually, if it's a quite a color product, so you might have on a collection 10 products, but you might have five colors under each. So you might have little, little circles with different colors on to show that you can change the colors of this. On 
a slightly more uh, technical product, like if somebody was buying some laptops or iPads or something like that, you might actually want to have, rather than having sort of three products across each, uh, each line or having three products across each row, you might just have one product in each row with the image on the left. Then on the right-hand side, you'll have the title and two or three bullet points and something that also says like, you know, if you're ordering as a business customer, here's the VAT. So again, think about how much information you're putting on there because that will be the difference between somebody landing on this page and going, what the heck, there's just some images of products and prices. This is such a boring page. It doesn't tell me anything. Or somebody landing going, wow, this is so quick and easy. So that's exactly the same design, but you see the different responses. You're not giving me enough information. Oh, wow, this is so quick and easy. I'm buying one. And so again, you've got to understand your user to then decide how much information to put on that. Google will look at this, and if you've hit the nail on the head in terms of getting the right layout, Google will see that whenever they rank this category, people don't click on the category and then bounce straight back to Google because it's wrong and it's freaked them out. Google will see that they click through and then they don't come back. So clearly that anybody we send to that website is Google. Anybody that goes to that website from Google makes a buying decision or finds the piece of information they want. So we will continue to send traffic to that website. So that's part of the, actually, the better your website performs in terms of user engagement, the higher you will rank. The final thing on collections, and this one really is difficult to get right, and I'd recommend from looking at lots and lots of Shopify stores over the last three or four years, it's so easy to clutter your store in, and excuse my French, utter crap. <laughs> like I've seen, I've seen some stores that I have to get, I have to wade my way through like five or six pop-ups and overlays and stuff just to see the page itself. You know, I land on there and it's like live chats popped up, a 10% off if I give you my email address. Or would I like desktop notifications that you can just ping me whenever you want on my laptop or phone if something happens? Do I want to download your iPhone app? Do I want, you know, half price, whatever? There's a sale on, click here. Someone's just bought this product. None of these things are bad, but you just want to make sure things don't get too cluttered. So my final point is actually to look at associated content. Like what is the aim of this category? And if people are going to land here, do we want to start hitting them with all these messages? Or actually, do you want to change some settings to say, we're only going to offer 10% off via email once somebody's viewed their third page? So actually, they can have a bit of an experience first. And then we're not going to try and hook them in with some discounts. We're going to slowly nurture them that we're a great store. We're doing some good stuff as a business. We've got great products. Therefore, you should buy from us, check out this product, check out that product, have a look at this range. Oh, and by the way, if you want, you can have 10% off and do it on the third page or something. Same with live chat. Why not just, if you do offer live chat, why not just have the button there? People know to use it if they want. You know, you don't have to put it up in their face. And I would also, desktop notifications. Some people give me the statistics on how many people they have signed up to desktop notifications. And I get that. But equally, from a retail shop, I wouldn't expect it. I would almost feel like this shop's a bit spammy, in my personal opinion. Again, I've seen the numbers, so I'm on the fence a little bit about desktop notifications. But what I mean by associated content, which is my point here, associated content would be things like a buying guide, or it would be something like a, this product range was recently featured on this, or actually, you know, there's a, a call to action as to shop the look, where actually you can upload a picture of yourself and start putting clothes on using a bit of AI or um, something like that. There's a company in the UK called Glasses Direct, and I, I gave this example on a webinar recently, and one of them messaged me on the webinar and said, thanks for the shout out, we're loving this webinar, this content's great, and so happy to see our business on here, which it's, it's not often that happens, but I was quite taken back. But 
The reason I use the, sh- the Glasses Direct shopping experience as, a, uh, as an example is that you can upload a, using their tool, you can get a small video of you basically looking left, looking right, and then you can try on virtually any of the glasses on the website. And when I say virtually, I don't mean almost any. I mean virtually, like there's actually a picture of you on the screen and you can just click on a pair of glasses and their little tool on their website will then run a bit of AI and then show a video of you, what kind of interactive picture of you wearing those glasses. And you can scroll left, scroll right, see what they're going to look like on you, see if they're your style. And so I did that recently. And then I, then I ordered four pairs as a home trial kit. You know, this is me not wanting to go into the local opticians because of COVID. You know, I don't want to go anywhere unless I have to, because I don't want to be part of the spreading of the virus right now. And the same with a lot of people. So actually, I then did their home kit where they sent me four pairs of glasses in the post, and I sent them all back, and I've ordered a pair that I tried on at home. And it was a free try-on kit. They basically said, if you don't send them back, we'll charge you for the products. But if you do send them back, all of them, we won't charge you a penny for this. We'll only charge you if you do make an order. Which again, was a really, really good experience. So in my opinion, that's associated content. It doesn't have to be as complicated as that. It could be as simple as just on your category or collection page, you have your title, your little description, and then you have a little button on the right-hand side saying view, you know, if you're selling bedsheets, view our bedsheet buying guide. And that little guide opens in a new tab. So they've still got their category open. If they want to go back and just click on that item they just saw that they liked. So it opens in a new tab and it gives them a whole load of recommendations. It might just be a page on the site, might be a PDF, whatever. Just gives them a load of recommendations about what sort of stuff they should buy. But again, there's a bit before this. Understand your customer, understand your user, and then decide actually if a buying guide is what they need. So if you were selling bedsheets to students that have just arrived at university or college or whatever, actually a buying guide for stuff like this is really, really useful because they may not have ever bought bedsheets before. They may not even know how to measure their bed. And so again, do a bit of user research, understand what some of their problems are, and then it's just a simple piece of content. Take you an hour to write a little, a little video about, you know, a little video with a page on your website called Buying Guide. You know, it takes you an hour to write that, and now they can go through and actually read all that information. And it can even link then from the Buying Guide back to products to say, you know, these are the three different types of uh, bedsheet we offer. One is economy, one is premium, and one is super luxury or premium plus or something. And it explains above that what Egyptian thread count is to then decide which one do we want. And actually, the more you pay, the softer the bedsheet will be, the longer it will last and the better it will fit your bed. So there's a clear understanding of value. Customer can choose where they land. And now the customer is choosing whether they want to go kind of you know, small, medium, large sort of thing in terms of what they buy. And because they've got that option, psychologically, they're not thinking about whether to buy or not. They're just going, well, look, let's find out what my perfect product would be. And when they reach their perfect products, like, well, whatever you were looking for on Google, it's on the screen in front of you, it's that much, do you want to buy it? You know, and things like this really do increase conversion rate. But again, back to my comment, do not start to clutter your pages because you will find that page speed is completely destroyed. Users are bouncing off all over the place. Google might even penalize you if you have too many pop-ups, too much stuff going on on the sites. So again, take that with a bit of caution, but have a think about that journey. And it's easy enough to write a list on the piece of paper of, I would love it if my users had these five options of stuff to do. Take that to a web person or a web agency and say, These are the five things we think we want people to do. What do you guys reckon and can you build some of them? 
and then they can start to work on it. But what I would always say is when you're doing SEO, it's really easy to start cluttering pages with stuff that you want. So make sure you have a good designer, a good UX person that can say, yeah, I can put all of that on the page. I'll have a think about how it should be structured and how it should be ordered. You know, if we are going to have a few overlays or pop-ups or whatever, I'll make sure that none of them interfere with each other. So you only ever have one at a time. Or maybe we can A, B, C test them. So we can have three different types of pop-ups, see which one's most popular, which one gets used the most, and which one drives the most conversion, then decide which one to have. And then when you decide on that one and Google sees that one, you're in a much better place. So again, please take that caution seriously and make sure you go through your collections and look at your title tags, meta descriptions, headers, the text and intro paragraph, either at the top or the bottom, depending on whether you think it's important, how much information you put on each product when it appears, and also the associated content that you could link to that would be useful for a user. Right, so that's collections done, that's the homepage done. We're now going to go into the final part of this podcast, which is going to be product pages. Now, what I always, always see, people put so much time and energy into their homepage, looks amazing, and only 5 or 10% of their traffic actually see it. Then they put in loads of time into their product pages, because you think, right, everyone's going to see products, because that's the whole point of this site. My customers are going to love these products. I've spent days, weeks, months, years, possibly even decades, developing our products, choosing our products, getting the right supply. Everyone's going to love these products. So what I normally find is the homepage gets totally over-optimized. The product pages get tons and tons of information put in. They look really cluttered, really clunky, and then the category pages look completely empty. And the problem is people land on categories generally, not always, um, depends on your business, but generally they'll land on a category page, which looks really, really bare and basic. Then they'll click through to a product page, which is like, wow, information overkill, design's awful, is this company even legitimate, etc. And then some people who do come back to your site will land on the homepage and be like, wow, these guys have had a nice revamp until they click on a collection or a product. So what you want to do is make sure your design and your theme work across all three. And on the product page, first thing we want to optimize is the title. Again, you want to have the name of the business, the brand name in your title tag. Shopify should do this automatically. I probably should have said that back at the collections bit. So anyone that's tuned out, you've now missed that and you might make a mistake, which is absolutely fine. If you listen to the whole episode, you'll get this little nugget as well. Yeah, Shopify should put the name of the business in there anyway. So you shouldn't need to put that on the product or the collection page. But again, you can check this using Screaming Frog or looking at how they actually pop up on Google or also looking in the code of the page if you feel confident. Again, if you read a guide on title tags, a guide on meta descriptions, there's some good stuff out there on the internet. So have a look at some of those guides and you can see what you're looking for in the code because the code will be the most recent thing as soon as you've clicked publish. So with with the product, on the title tag, you want to put the name of the product. And then again, Shopify will automatically pull in the name of the brand. So you want to make sure all of that together is under 60 characters or only two or three above. Nothing anymore. It's going to look a bit silly on Google. Same with the meta description. So the title and the description come up on Google. And the meta description needs to be a 160 character version of your entire product description. So you could put the price in there. You can mention free delivery and a couple of different bits about the product itself. So if you were selling one of Nick's awesome retrofit t-shirts, which again, I don't think it's a thing, but it's today's example off the top of my head. If you were using that as an example, you might now be on a yellow retrofit t-shirt, plain yellow. So what we might put in the title tag is plain retrofit t-shirt hyphen Nick's t-shirt shop. And then the meta description will have 160 characters basically saying, buy this amazing plain yellow retrofit t-shirt designed by our gurus in London, UK free delivery and 
loyalty bonus plan, something like that. Again, you probably want to use the end of the meta description to add some USPs, the beginning to keep it quite functional and a sort of, this is the product you're looking for. But the thing to remember with your title tag and your meta description, especially for a product, is you've got to sell it. You've really got to know what are the pain points that force people to buy this. Is it they want cheap t-shirts? Is it they want super quality? Is it that actually, for example, the guys we interviewed from Unbound Merino a few months ago, they were talking about the fact that he was sitting on a plane with this enormous suitcase and then started Googling what materials can you wear for weeks on end without having to wash. And Merino wool came up. And he said, right, I'm starting a business that's going to create Merino wool t-shirts. So actually their mess descriptions on their site could quite easily say things like two weeks without washing, which again, to the right users, that's an important point. Or they might have categories in their site talking about clothes for, for long distance travel, lightweight, warm, lightweight clothing for travel will be a good keyword for them. So again, things like that. Make sure they're in the title tag, the mess description of your product, the header of your product. So I'm only talking about H1s today, not H2s, 3s, 4s. Feel free to read a guide on header tags of a website. All I'm going to say today is you only need one H1 on each page. If you have any more, then you're confusing Google. So H1 should always be singular. So it's just one of them. And on a product page, it should be the name of the product. So check that it is. And again, if you name your product correctly on Shopify, it will add it into the title tag and the H1 tag for you. And also in the URL, which is another key place that we're, we're not really talking about URLs today, because if you name things correctly based on keywords, your URL should pretty much be fine. The next thing you want to look at is your product description. Now, we are working on loads of projects at the moment, either writing a strategy for what product descriptions should look like, the formats they should follow. We've got some clients in Parker that we're currently reformatting those for. It's an enormous job on some sites, especially where you've got 50,000 products and you're trying to write some sort of product description for every single one without spending hundreds of thousands of pounds trying to get it right. Manufacturers will sometimes send you these descriptions. Often you have to write them yourselves. What I would say is to create some sort of uniform. So on every site or every client, I'd recommend you get one dummy product. You hide Google from it because you don't want Google to rank it or see that you have this kind of dummy product. So again, do a quick Google and see how to hide pages. Well, why not create one product as your demo product? And it's a demo because it's a test for you internally. Create the perfect product description. So whether it's like paragraph of text, three or four bullet points, no more than five, because more than five bullet points in a list gets confusing for the user. Create some rules like this, you know, and have a quick play with how this stuff could be laid out, what it should look like, etc. And I think having enough information that somebody can make a buying decision that's displayed in a simple enough way that someone can read and understand it quite quickly, but also without totally overwhelming them. So if you put 10 paragraphs of text there are almost no products that I can think of that would require just 10 straight paragraphs of black and white text. What you want to do is, again, I mentioned this in a previous episode talking about how to write killer content. Killer content to me is content that is really long-winded, long-worded, and then you trim it down to as few words as possible to create something that's short, sharp, and punchy. And then you can even play devil's advocate, which my personality type, which I found out recently, is a debater, as you can probably tell, hence why I enjoy interviewing people so much. But it also means I play devil's advocate a lot. 
So a lot of the things I'll say on a call with a client is, do we need this? Or this isn't really important, is it? This isn't really going to change anything. Why don't we focus our time over here where we're actually going to make a difference? Because I know full well that every business is trying to move forward. So if I can help that business do that, we've got a client for life. If I can't help them do that, we should probably stop working with them and they should probably find somebody else or do it internally, etc. So I would take that same approach with your content and I would say, have a think about How much content do we need to tell the user? And again, doing some user testing, you can understand what are some of the questions they need answering. So some of the things you then might put into your product pages are a new product description. Make sure obviously you have the price, which is the next thing on my list, but it kind of goes without saying. Have a think about what delivery information you need on this page and what delivery information you might have on your delivery page to get a nice balance between Actually, on every product, we don't need to list every single country and every single price and delivery time. We probably just need to you know, reference a sort of delivery is between this many days and this many days in the US and then between this many days and this many days anywhere else in the UK. Click here to see our full list of countries for costs and delivery times. So actually keep it quite concise. The next thing to look at on products as well is reviews. One of the most important trust signals is having a verified list of reviews. So something like Trustpilot, FIFO, etc. Make sure you have those on there. It also means if your product pops up on Google itself, if you've got your reviews and you've um, listened to our technical SEO episode and listened about the schema section, you can see how that whenever your products appear on Google, you can have five gold stars appearing alongside them. And it's the same on PPC. And yes, I am planning to do a Google advertising, Facebook advertising, etc. podcast in the near future, doing one episode on each, each of the different advertising platforms and getting some experts on each. But again, it's the same thing that on Google Shopping, you've probably seen those five gold stars. So having a review platform is absolutely critical to getting things like that increases how many people click onto your site and then also increases the conversion rate. And because more people are clicking, Google wants to send more traffic, etc. becomes a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, which is good. The next thing to think about is FAQs. And there's two ways of having FAQs on a page. One is you can just preempt their questions and answer them in your product description or with some of your images or with some icons or something a little bit further down the page. The alternative is you can have an actual list of FAQs. So you can say, these are our five FAQs. You know, when will this product arrive? How much does it weigh? Is this product going to last me 10 years? What are the terms and conditions of your lifetime guarantee or lifetime warranty sort of thing? So FAQs can be really, really important. And the last couple of bits in a product page I'd also look at is related products. So you might just say, okay, we'll have a little product carousel of other products in this collection. Again, thinking that Google Shopping is going to send people straight into this page. And then if this product actually starts to rank on SEO, how are people going to get back to the collection or you know, view other stuff? Or what if they like this product, but it's not quite the right color or the right size, or you know, it's nearly there, but not quite. I can guarantee they'll really want to look at others in the collection. And because the collection itself doesn't appear in a product URL, or it sort of does, but doesn't at the same time. That's a conversation for another day. But what you might want to look at is let's have a product carousel of other products in this collection or products you've previously viewed or today's most popular products if your whole range is quite similar. If your range isn't very similar, I'd recommend trying to keep the product recommendations specific to what they're looking at. So if they're looking at a new dining table for their dining room at home, I wouldn't recommend starting to you know, go on about pillows or beds or something because they're not shopping that right now. There's other ways, you know, using the main menu or whatever, you can get them to those points. The only other thing I'd also recommend, which I don't actually have on my list, but is another really good thing to think about, and again, something to Google, is breadcrumbs. 
So a breadcrumb is literally, you probably remember the story Hansel and Gretel where they were dropping little breadcrumbs on their journey and then followed them all the way back or they then found out somebody had been eating them which was a complete disaster but this is not going to be a disaster. This is going to be a breadcrumb on the page that if you were on a product the breadcrumb would read home because that's the home page and, with a, and that button, with the, the word home itself would actually link to the home page. Then there'd be a little arrow or something or a little line. Then there would be the name of the collection, that this, the main collection this product sits in. And again, that would be linkable to that collection. And then there'd probably be the name of the product afterwards. And that would be the breadcrumb. So this product sits in this collection, which sits under the home page, which then means if somebody was to land on this product or if they were to land on a collection with that breadcrumb intact, that means that the user would then be able to land on this page as the first page they've ever seen of your business, click back to the collection and look at all the other similar products in that same collection. So you've not got a bounce, which is good for SEO and good for the user and good for conversion. And then you've also got this, this customer now clicking around your website, looking for the products they want. So again, some super easy little things you can do. I hope you found today useful. Again, this was based on some feedback I got from people from last week, talking about the types of content, the theory of content, etc. So hopefully that's given you guys a nice little list of things you can crack on with now. Next week, we're going to be talking about off-site, which is going to be the final part. It's going to be called part four, but there may be a part five as well. We'll have to see how we go, but um, hoping to have a good guest for next week as well. So please stay tuned. Thanks so much for listening today. Make sure you go and click subscribe if you haven't already to never miss an episode and check out our Facebook group on Facebook as well called Winning with Shopify. I've been Nick. It's been a pleasure having you listening today and I look forward to talking to you all again soon. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Sign up for free for the Shopify-approved marketing course at 1000salesandbeyond.com and get our show notes at justaskparker.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening to the Winning with Shopify podcast. See you next time.